Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Do or do not. There is no trap. You think that's air you're breathing in? Are you ready? Are you waking up? Because you're listening to the Urban Yogi Podcast with Will Blunderfield. Welcome back. This is episode 81 of the Urban Yogi Podcast. I am your host, Will Blunderfield, the creator of the Wild Masculine Rewilding Program over at willblunderfield.ca. Today, we were fortunate to get to speak with Alec Zek, writer, speaker, and holistic health advocate. Alec is a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point, where he received a degree in systems engineering. He advocates for medical freedom, promotes free and independent thought, unity through spirituality, and natural health. Alex says, This idea that we should follow certain pieces of science while casting aside other science without considering the possibility of financial incentives slash conflicts of interest clearly indicates that we're being told to blindly follow a dogma rather than science. Alec is another one of the fantastic guests that we've had the honor to have on the show over the last several months. And I have to say, of all the guests that we've had, Alec describes um, the fraudulence uh, and the major sort of flaws in virology the most succinctly out of anybody I've ever heard. So thank you so much, Alec, for your clear and grounded understanding of what's going on and just basically encouraging people to ask questions and trust their intuition and to not just blindly follow the mainstream media. I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Alec Zek. Hopefully this works. I think I put it on. Oh, there we go. Hey. There we go. Yay, it worked. I wonder if it's even because I had um, Z underscore E, like I had your name with the underscores in the title. I don't even know if it censored that, like if it knew you were coming on. It's like, no. (laughs) Must not have the truth come out. (laughs) Wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah, totally. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. And I just want to start off by thanking you from the bottom of my heart for standing up for truth and for having the balls to be an example of what I think Guru Jagat would call an Aquarian man. And a great teacher of mine. And uh, I used to study with her in New York and uh, it was so sad when she passed away. Um, And when you were on her show, like she was so right in saying that you're not the typical like archetype of a man who talks about debunking virology, for example. So it's so great that you are because your message is reaching so many the thousands of people who maybe wouldn't be open to this understanding had you not been brave enough to, to speak. But I know it's hard sometimes and I just wanna thank you. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Cheers. So when, did, when and how did you discover that virology was fraudulent? Okay, so I want to preface this by saying that um, go, well, let me first start by saying this, actually. The the statement when you first hear it that that is a fraudulent or that like if someone says uh, viruses don't exist, right? Like if someone says that statement without the proper context, it can be extremely off-putting right. and uh, to the point that people turn the other way. And I want to be clear on this before we start going into my perceptions on this is that absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Like the appearance of contagion without a doubt, like in my mind at least, and there's some discussions on this from other people, is a real phenomenon. What causes contagion? What is is the driving mechanism behind uh, the appearance of contagiousness is what we are questioning here based on the foundational evidence. Right. So how I was brought into this perception was a lot, a lot of obsessive research, like a lot of obsessive research in previous to these perceptions. I didn't even realize it, but I was already acting in a way that was uh, that was in alignment with the reality of viruses not existing as pathogenic disease causing agents. So it, it first started for me, though. 
when I heard a video from Dr. Tom Cowan, very, very beginning of, of CVD, that's what we'll call this situation, CVD, for, to avoid censorship. Um, the very beginning of this, I saw a video where he was talking about, like, if you were following dolphins off the coast of Florida and you noticed a large amount of dolphins beginning to die, your first question would probably be, who put something in the water? You wouldn't think, okay, what, what virus is the one that killed off all of these dolphins? It's always like, oh, when it comes to animals, it's how have human beings poisoned them? Or maybe they lost their food source, something to that effect, right? right. And so that was really, really, really thought-provoking to me. And it was intuitively made sense. Like, why don't we apply the same fear of so-called infectious diseases to animals um, that seem to be, I mean, there seems to be a new one every year, even previous to CVD in this whole situation the past two years. We were always concerned about the next, uh, you know, like outbreak of whatever their disease there is. I mean, I know measles was huge right before CVD, especially in the New York State area. And it was really, it really began with questioning that. And when I first heard the statement thereafter, because I did not hear the statement, viruses don't exist right then but it was it was the lingering like questioning and when i heard that statement i was like that is the dumbest shit i've ever heard but <laughs> but i am an open-minded person and i was like you know i'm not going to trust what either side says because we have the majority if 99 percent saying that they're pathogenic disease causing agents we have this little small group over here saying that they're not um i could have very easily deferred to oh my god there's no way that 99.9 percent .9 of people including the experts and virologists themselves have been tricked into believing this, that there's no way these other people are right. But I explored their claims myself. Um, and I started exploring the so-called virus isolation uh, experiments. And I explored them very, very, very heavily. And the more that I explored, the more that I was shocked. And the more that I asked questions about it, the more I was shocked, right? Like asking questions directly to virologists epidemiologists, immunologists on Twitter, asking them pointed questions and being met with, and like, like I wasn't coming across belligerently. I'm legitimately trying to understand their perspective and being met with uh, ad hominems, personal attacks towards me, appeals to authority and, uh, and, and, and answers that didn't really make any sense to why they aren't able to validate their foundational claims. And it really is as simple as this. Can anyone provide me one single paper, just one, one single paper in which a V, the, the, the pathogenic, we'll say this in place, just because I, I don't, I'm really, really <laughs> worried about censorship here, and in which a sub-microscopic particle that they say is a pathogenic disease-causing agent has been isolated, purified, characterized, and sequenced directly from the fluids of a sick host. Directly. Emphasis on that. Because in response, of course, people send me a ton of papers where in the title of the paper, it says isolation of insert that thing. And you read the methodology of that. And that's where they're missing what we're trying to say here. You read the methodology of the paper and it goes exactly like this. They take unfiltered snot from a sick host and an in unfiltered snot or unfiltered fluids, semen, snot, blood, whatever, Unfiltered fluids from a sick host would contain millions of RNA, DNA, toxins, proteins, food particles, red blood cells, white blood cells, tons of things inside snot. You take that unfiltered snot, you put it on a monkey kidney cell, which is a viral cell culture, or another kidney cell of some type, sometimes an aborted fetal cell of a human, and that monkey kidney cell, again, with that, with that toxic snot, is also had uh, put on top of it cytotoxic antibiotics like amphotericin and gentamicin. Amphotericin and gentamicin, I want you to look this up for yourself, anybody watching this or listening to this, amphotericin and gentamicin, if you look them up, just type in amphotericin kidneys toxic, and you will find a number of articles that highlight how amphotericin and gentamicin, and sometimes they put in trypsin, are all toxic to kidney cells. So they're putting that in the cell culture, along with Dilbeco's modified eagle medium and fetal bovine serum. So they're mixing a bunch of things onto this kidney cell, the cell then breaks down, experiencing what is called a cytopathic effect. They take pictures of those fragments and say that they are these Vs, these submicroscopic pathogenic disease-causing particles. So to reiterate, 
They have never validated their foundational claim ever. They have never seen, they've never, uh, every, every picture, every electron micrograph imagery of a V, of a submicroscopic pathogenic disease causing particle comes from the cell culture as a byproduct of the cell culture experiment. They have never isolated, purified, and that is the very foundational step. Even just finding the thing you claim is inside the fluids of a sick host, they've never even done that with any, any in existence ever. Not even just this one, people don't realize that. Also this, or also the rest of them. Even Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test, who everyone on you know, the, the truth-seeking slash health freedom um, community always brings him up and says like, because of course he's very outspoken about the misuse of his tool, not test, misuse of his tool, the PCR tool to test or to diagnose someone with disease. He was very outspoken about that. Most people don't realize that Kerry Mullis was also very outspoken, if not more outspoken, about the reality that HIV was never proven to exist or to be the cause of AIDS, ever. He was very outspoken about that. And the reason this is so important is because a virologist who I know very well by the name of Stefan Lanka is currently conducting a three-phase experiment. In the first part of the experiment, he has shown that the same cytopathic effect occurs in a cell culture, regardless of the presentation of infectious material. And I'll go ahead and use an analogy that Tom Cowan has used before that is so unbelievably brilliant. If I were to try to prove that a ping pong ball could break down a brick wall, and I first started by taking a giant hammer and smashing the brick wall several times, and then I taped the ping pong ball to a giant rock and threw it at the wall, and the wall broke down, have I proven that the ping pong ball caused the destruction of the brick wall? Any logical person would say, absolutely not. You have not proven that the ping pong ball caused destruction of that brick wall, because you did not have the ping pong ball completely by itself to observe action on the brick wall. What Stefan Lanka is essentially doing, equating it back to that, is he's doing the exact same experiment without the ping pong ball present, showing that it is the conditions of the experiment that are causing the wall to break down. Meaning he is taking no snot from a sick person. And even worse, this, actually this analogy is not entirely accurate because you know the ping pong ball exists. There's a presupposition that there is a particle that is pathogenic and disease causing inside the snot of this sick host. And that has never been established at the foundation. But using this example, we have, he has done the exact same experiment without even introducing snot from a sick host to the cell culture. And it experiences the exact same cytopathic effect. And he's done it now a number of times. And this is important because again, it is establishing that the foundational evidence, the foundational evidence used by virology to say that these are pathogenic disease causing agents is pseudoscientific because they have never conducted the proper controls. They have never validated their foundational claim that there is one present inside the fluids of a sick host. Pseudoscience by definition is anything that does not follow the scientific method. That is the definition of pseudoscience. Virology does not follow the scientific method because they do not have proper control experiments, nor do they have or have they validated their foundational claims. Therefore, by definition, virology is pseudoscientific. Amen. So that's pretty much it. That was the best answer I've heard on this show before. Thank you. I can tell you really. That's generally. saying a lot, brother, because you've had Tom Barnett and others on your show. So thank you. that means a lot. Yeah. And everybody explains it in their own way. <clears throat> but that was really understandable. And I can tell you've actually done the research on the trials. And as you said, it's they haven't even proved if the ping pong ball is even there. Yep. Um, and I, I want to be clear, like my, my, my study of this is not, was not done in a vacuum completely by myself. This has been like me, like I, Tom Cowan is probably, I mean, not anymore, but I know for a while he was probably pretty annoyed of me because I would find papers that, you know, claim isolation and I hadn't studied into the terminology that was used as, as much as I had now. So I'd be like, oh my goodness, this one looks like it's isolation. I'd send it to him. And then he would kindly, you know, refer me back to, okay, this word means this, this word means that, this is what they're doing here. And I'm like, okay, that, that's cool. And then finally got to the point, I was like, Alec, you are smart enough, you can figure this out yourself. And that, that's what's so cool. Like, 
even even for the ones who are, are not questioning germ versus train theory or like virus theory as I, as we've started to call it um even the people on this side so to speak and i hate using the term sides but the people who are uh questioning the accepted narrative uh the experts they always refer people back to their own observations and experiences they also say they always say like please don't blindly trust me i want you you are smart enough you can you can learn this yourself versus the other side of the spectrum the ones telling us to blindly accept are saying don't trust yourself don't trust your observations and experience i'm the expert i know better about your health and your body and everything else that goes into it than you do and now even the economy and everything else that's bleeding into everything and it's it's just interesting that people don't even question that like step back for a second wow this one side is is telling us that we need to blindly trust everything that they say and they're being like gaslighted uh, or they're gaslighting and manipulating people and then people on the other side of the spectrum are saying please please trust yourself take information from all sides mm-hmm. it makes me think of how i went to the dentist years ago and it's it's insidious, this whole, like, just blindly follow us. Do not ask questions. This is how it is. Uh, we know better than you. And so the dentist said, oh, you've got a huge cavity. I remember he put his tool gushy, and it was the only cavity he had. And he said, we're going to have to fill this. And I said, well, is there any way that I could heal it naturally? He said, no, it's huge. Like, what are you thinking? And his hygienists kind of all mocked me on the way out, saying, oh, if you think you can heal this by yourself without getting it drilled and filled, you're making the wrong choice. You're making a bad decision. It's going to, you know, take over your whole mouth. And so I was really upset. And I talked to one of my friends who's into holistic health, and I said, what would you recommend? I don't want to get healing. I want to heal it naturally. I believe I can. He said, check out the work of Nadine Artemis, who owns a company, Living Libations. And so I had her on the show. She was unequivocal in her explanation that you can heal your gums and you can heal your cavities. And so long story short, I bought her book, Dental Care, and I lived the teachings of her book and took all the supplements and did all the dietary changes and all the good oral ecology habits every night. I didn't go to a dentist for three years. And then I went to a dentist a month ago and I said, I, I just want a full workup. Can you just make sure I'm okay? And he did all the x-rays and everything. He said, there's, yep, there's no problems. <laughs> and it was a huge cavity. It was like, yeah. the sheet just, and it felt painful at times. So it taught me that, you know, just because somebody's in a white lab coat or has a face diaper on, it doesn't mean that they're, that they're God. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, like, you've probably heard this and then I'm sure many of the people following me by now have like my family's story. My mom was under the care of so-called experts that were practicing evidence-based medicine for 10 years and was perpetually sick and almost died um, as a result of it multiple times, had multiple suicide attempts in hospital. And then when she found Dr. Kelly Brogan, the quote pseudoscientific quack that spreads misinformation online, my mom healed everything. And then my wife, who was under the care of multiple rheumatologists for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis over the course of nine to 10 years. <laughs> Same thing happened with her. Um, no, so sorry, Vonnie's, <laughs> what are those reflective glasses you're discussing? No, so these are, these are my blue light glasses and I don't even think they freaking work, but um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so on the, the, good to see you by the way, Vonnie and, and uh, Kristen, good to see, or Christina, good to see you as well. Um, People yeah. are asking, like said, the book is it's called Holistic Dental Care by Nadine Artemis. I got to get them on our show, too. That's amazing. Dude, I mean, like, stories like this, though. Like, my my wife was under the care of multiple rheumatologists, uh, like, for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis for nine years. And after we saw it happen with my mom, we and she was perpetually ill, right? Like, my wife was also per- chronically inflamed all the time. No mention of diet, lifestyle, mindfulness, any of that. Nothing. Right. It was just like, here's an immunosuppressive drug that's going to cause symptoms and it was going to lead to you being on psych drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, like even when my wife and I got married, talking about how she wasn't going to uh, going to live as long as other people would and that she was going to be wheelchair bound by the time she was 40. And that's just how it was going to be. And then we go with the methods of Dr. Kelly Brogan, this quote, pseudoscientific quack, again, after seeing what happened with my mom, seeing her begin to heal for the first time in 10 years. And my wife has now been in remission from lupus and rheumatoid arthritis for five years. So like your story, my family's story, thousands of people have this exact same story. And what makes it worse is in response to so many people stepping outside of allopathic medicine 
and finding healing via natural or, or alternative means with a holistic approach, the, for the most part, by and large, the medical community, the medical establishment responds to that with gaslighting, manipulation, mocking, and attacking, which is not helping their cause. You would think if this many people are stepping away and healing, you would think with the health statistics that we have in America or in just Western societies at large, given that we have the most heavily funded, robust healthcare system of any country in America, by far, by far, and we have some of the worst health outcomes of any country, you would think that they would stop and pause for a second and say, hmm, what are we doing wrong? Especially when all these people are leaving and healing via alternative natural and holistic means. But they're not doing that. Instead, they manipulate, gaslight, mock, deny, ostracize anyone who steps outside their narrow box. True that. I want to give a shout out to Kelly Brogan because she really did save my life about five years ago. Um, I was dating somebody and there was this certain situation where this individual was diagnosed with the uh, HIV um, situation and it was very scary. And I reached out to my teacher, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who I've been fortunate to have as a mentor for the last 12 years. And she's amazing too. Dude, you have, you have, you have seen some amazing people. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, Dr. Northrup was in town, I think back in 2010 doing a women's health um, uh, talk and she heard one of songs on the radio and then she asked, he liked it so much she asked if I could open for her which was a, a true wow. uh, and so ever since then she's just been super supportive and so right away she, like when that happened she connected with Dr. Brogan and Dr. Brogan was very clear that you know some 45% of the human genome is viral in origin and uh, there's no difference between these exosomes aka cell poops aka vesicles than what uh, virologists are calling HIV or now you know the a certain Rona situation and yeah. taught me that it's all pseudoscientific. It, it really did save my life because at that time, you know, I thought I was gay, you know, I was in this community and, and you're vilified and scapegoated and it was so much pressure. And then this fear of the invisible takes yeah. you and you start to exhibit symptoms just by thinking thoughts. Yes. And so you, I, I, I have you looked into German new medicine at all? Yes, I've been studying. New medicine um, with Dr. Melissa Bell and oh, she's uh, so great. She's one of my favorite people. Yeah, she's amazing. A woman named uh, Carolina Arcalina. Oh, not familiar uh, with her. Okay. She has the website learninggnm.com. Cool. And those listening, German medicine is the understanding that no illness can happen in your body without the involvement of the psychic brain. And learninggnm.com, it's quite dense, but it's the whole thing. Also, there's a new book. Let me just pull up the book because it's really good. Um, the Five Biological Laws of Nature, Psychic yeah. of Disease. And you can get this online. And basically, a German New Medicine dude has put together all the understandings of German New Medicine with um, natural. And sometimes I find that's the one sort of hardcore German New Medicine is like, okay, what do I do if I'm going through? Yeah. This brings it all together. Dude, which I, I need to get that book. That's amazing. Uh, I'll ask it I'll, so we don't waste time. I'll ask it for it afterwards. Awesome. Yeah. So shout out to Kelly Brogan. I'm so happy your mom and your wife are doing better now. Thank you so much, man. And like, likewise to you. And it's, it's just crazy how many people have this story. And uh, I mean, that, that, is, that is sort of what propelled me to speak was that story and then dealing with narcissistic abuse and man manipulation and gaslighting um, mm -hmm. with, my, with my dad who, you know, is, we've made amends with each other and we, we talk a little bit now, which is good. Um, but at the time, like having gone through that nonetheless, uh, is, it, it was very eye-opening when COVID hit because I saw everything that was happening for what it was because I had dealt with it on the microcosm and is now happening in the collective. So, so I began speaking. Amazing. That's been the blessing of this whole um, psychological operation is that it has, um, you know, even me, I've been doing more research than ever on virology over the last two years. And I've found more uh, tribes, men and tribes, women than ever, like people like yourself on your amazing telegram channel, all the amazing humans on there, the way forward, FWRD with, uh, yep. and I your name <laughs> but people <laughs> uh so go on to his telegram it's it's community over there it's crazy that we have to censor ourselves but it shows us that we're onto something because in the words of dr northrop 
you get the most flack when you're on the target and the darkness makes you doubt yourself when you're near the truth. 100%, man, 100%. And it's, uh, it's interesting too, because I always frame it as I'm just a 29 year old dude speaking my authentic perceptions. And it's crazy, like you, I'm sure you saw the, the article that I wrote in Green Minute for, or at least the video that I put out on how much censorship like I've been facing, and I don't even wanna say our organization's name, HFFH has been facing. And it's because we're approaching things from a position that are that we're, we're not political, we're not like exclusive to one religious class, like we include people from all walks of life and we're open and we ask questions, but we never want people to blindly trust us and we're not belligerent either. And like that loving approach where you're open to perspectives that are diametrically opposed to you is exactly what they don't want on their platforms because it doesn't reinforce their narrative that people who think like us are narcissistic, abusive, uh, you know, belligerent, attacking, Q, Trump, Trumpy, like it's just the whole narrative is dismantled by not just our organization, the, the many organizations that are being targeted like us that are coming with love. Yes, true that. Um, and, and I love that about you guys. And I love that about Dr. Brogan. Very pragmatic, coming from a place of love. Um, I remember what she said. She, you know, she said to your friend who was diagnosed with this, she said, just tell him like the bottom line is this reeks of public health manipulation, biopolitics style. And I would vouch the same for the current uh, situation. And she said, the bottom line is never ingest, and would add now be with uh, disabled chemicals that render you a patient for life, especially when that decision is predicated on outdated scientific narratives and robust industry profits. Damn, that was a good quote. Spot on. That's yeah. spot on. And I have a lot of uh, gay friends now who are in a class action loss against Merrick for their AIDS drugs causing wow. kidney failure. Yep. Uh, causing a, a fatty hump on the neck, causing bone fractures, causing liver damage, um, mimicking so-called AIDS symptoms. Yep. And and, and, dude, I, I'm sure you've read into, uh, I don't know if you've read the book Virus Mania, but I'm sure you've read into the HIV AIDS thing. And it's like very, very clear, like unbelievably crystal clear that this was caused by AZT and other treatments that they were giving for HIV AIDS. Um, as well as the drugs that like that culture and it has nothing to do with like actual gay activity whatsoever. It was the toxic drug use that yes. caused a lot of these symptoms. And that's what people try to argue. They say, well, Will, before AZT, gay men were dying. And I say, well, they were being fisted every night and they were all on heroin. <laughs> the first five gay AIDS, and it wasn't called that back then, it was called gay related immune disorder. They were all injection drugs. Yep. And heavy popper users. Like I teach guys now, gay ever to get off drugs and use things like Kundalini Yoga that Guru Jagat taught me to basically get high on your own supply. And so for anybody listening who's addicted to drugs, especially poppers, which causes the Kaposi sarcoma sort of AIDS-like symptoms and lowers your so-called immune system, but we call that your robustness. Yeah. Uh, you can get so high just using breath work. Dude, yes, 100%. Yeah. I love, um, there's a guy on YouTube named Dan Vadnais, B-A-D-N-A-I-F. Just type in DMT breathing on YouTube. DMT. He's got all these free breathwork routines ranging from five minutes to 45 minutes long. And it just, I literally do it every day. It gets me so high. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm learning more from you on your podcast than you're learning from me. Oh, no, I, I, I'm learning a lot from you. I'm really, really, I'm really grateful for this time. Let me ask you a couple more questions. This was coming from a friend. I was like, I'm having Alex Zach on my show. What should I ask him? And she's like, her name's Oksana. And she has been studying German new medicine for like 13, 14, 15 years. And she just knows it. It's like in her blood. And she's just so, so smart with it. She just said, have, have you had any experiences of being able to help people see the fraud? Uh, I already asked you that. Oh, yeah. So it's basically the idea, like, is it necessary to try to, like, make people see the light? Um, and if so, what ways have you found are best open people to new understandings? You've talked about not being belligerent. Yeah, well, I, I want to re re reframe that, too, a little bit, because 
more important than making people see the light, so to speak, or getting them to see uh, what's going on in the world is empowering them to reconnect with their own intuition and trust their own observations and experiences. And I've said this consistently, and I mean it. If your own observations and experiences and you trusting your intuition leads you to a perspective that is diametrically opposed to mine, good. At least you reconnected with your own observations, experiences, and trusted your own intuition. That is the most important thing. And now what we're finding more often than not, because what's going on is so unbelievably nonsensical, that when people do reconnect with their own observations and experiences and intuition, maybe they don't come to the perception uh, on viral theory like you and I have and many others have. Maybe they don't come to the perception that uh, the shot or multiple shots are um, for nefarious purposes, but at the least they're able to step back and say, wow, this doesn't make logical sense based on what I have directly observed and experienced in my day-to-day -day life over the past 19 months. And that brings up a lot of questions in my head because the media and the medical establishment and the government are trying to frame this in a certain way. And so when it comes to talking with people that cannot see, it's not about trying to make them see, it's about trying to empower them to trust themselves. That's what is most important. Thank you for that reframe. That, that feels bang on. That feels so um, Have you read the book Power Versus Force by David Hawkins? Dude, someone said that to me the other day. No, I have not read it yet, though. It's so good. It's like, I feel like it's, it's exactly the body. Um, he talks about levels of consciousness. A thousand is Christ consciousness. Uh, you know, 175 is shame. Huh. Vibration experience. Um, and it's just the, I, tr he says, truth is that which supports life. And that understanding, just encouraging people to trust their own intuition, that is true because it supports life. And then he says, that which is false is that which depletes life. And then he says, like, truth is that which uh, releases dopamine and serotonin. Falsehood is that which uh, continues to release too much uh, adrenaline and cortisol. Um, the, book, the book again that he just said, yeah, power versus force. That's power yeah. And somebody just said it's all about embodiment. And I, I totally agree. It's like embodying the change, being the change. Yes. Which is my next question. What good daily habits do you recommend and do you have that are keeping you at your highest as you, you know, tackle these kind of hot button issues? Yeah, dude. So I would say there's three things with that. Like the most important thing, and this is this is going to be different for every person. Uh, really four things. So for me, it's it's meditating. Um, and I haven't been as consistent lately because I've been traveling and I feel the effects of it. And I don't think of meditation as a like escapism or a coping mechanism, but rather something that recenters you in the here and now, which is where we're supposed to be. Right. So for me, like meditation, I do Qigong. That's 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 my thing. Um, I've had uh, I've, I've had pr uh, plenty of uh, discussions with uh, I don't know if you know him, Jago Pal. He's actually uh, knows gurus get really well. But um uh, before her passing but anyway they're basically the same thing in different ways qigong and uh, kundalini yoga so yeah. I, I do qigong personally and um also for me exercising like just detoxing getting all of that uh tense energy out of me um mm -hmm. and then sweating obviously is extremely extremely important so working out for me nutrition uh is very 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 important for me and then like lastly and probably most importantly is always returning back to the understanding that we are all one and not in like a NWO agenda 2030, like you will own nothing and be happy and everyone is conformed type of way. But we are all one in the sense that we are all individuated aspects of consciousness experiencing itself through free will. And the worst thing that you can do is impose your will onto another. And even worse is allowing another to impose their will upon you. So like falling back to that understanding that when I approach people who cannot see what's going on, do I get pissed off? Fuck yeah, I get mad a lot. <laughs> but I always remember that they are experiencing their own individuated version and they have information that's been pressed, impressed upon them, conditioning that they haven't broken through, experiences that they haven't had, 
They have, you know, things that they've seen and observed in their own life that I haven't, that I can't deny them their experiences, right? So the most important thing that I can do is allow them and hold space for their opposing perspectives, recognizing that ultimately this is the best thing for the development and growth of consciousness. Because we are supposed to have these opposing perspectives and diametrically opposed viewpoints. That, that, that's the best thing for consciousness. Right. Diversity is the basis of expansion. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, I just want to quickly touch just back on the HIV AIDS thing, because I, I can hear some people saying, well, Will, well, Alec, what about all the AIDS orphans in Africa? And really what I want to say is anybody interested in learning more about that? Watch the movie House of Numbers on YouTube mm -hmm. to watch. I, I uh, got to meet the director. Uh, he's from Vancouver. And um, he received so much censorship back, you know, 12 years ago when he released this at film it won a bunch of film festival awards and then people just freaked out same thing with dr northrup she had interviewed um men gay men who had cured themselves of the so-called you know hiv aids using mindset and now and we know that the test itself especially according to carrie mullis who invented it is bogus but still they they had you know got a negative test result and her publisher down at Bantam in New York went batshit on her and said, you put these interviews in this edition of your Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom books, you will lose your publishing deal. We are not going to publish it. So I said, would you have to, to reveal the truth? Because I had her on my show again. She, I said, to reveal the truth, do you have to get a new publisher? And she said, basically, yes. Wow. Um, so that was really... So, and then the final point is the Bangui definition. B-A-N-G-U-I. Look up the Bangui definition. In, in Africa, they don't even do HIV AIDS testing invariably. Just look at an African who is, by the way, malnourished and has no drinking water. And they say, oh, you've got some oral thrush. You've lost some weight. You've got a bit of, uh, you know, you've got AIDS. And that's counted as an AIDS patient without any sort of testing. So it's a completely different situation. And there's no Kaposi sarcoma over there. That's a yes. thing because of poppers there aren't any poppers in africa so it's a different thing so anyway i just had to bring that up because what about africa that's such an important point in like expanding into any other of the so-called like viral illnesses is that so like again going back to contagion specifically and the appearance of contagion uh, like if i'm around you for an extended period of time will and i'm in a pissed off mood are you eventually going to become in a pissed off mood Absolutely. Right. Or vice versa. Maybe you'll rub off on me and I'll become in a happy mood. But the point is, energy is spread from person to person. Energy is shared. Right. Um, shared exposure to toxins, shared exposure to similar malnutrition, uh, you know, pheromones, possibly bioresonance, possibly, possibly. There's so many other explanations. Belief also belief. Belief. Yes. Well, like, think about that. I've, I've actually I got deep into a conversation with uh, Charles Eisenstein, actually, because he, he disagrees with my perceptions on the foundational evidence of virology, which is totally, totally fine, right? Charles is still a really good friend of mine, and I talk with him regularly. Um, but one thing he did say, and I was like, damn, that is a good point. Maybe what is being experienced in the cytopathic effect of the control experiments that Stefan Locke is doing is regardless, it still is a virus, but it's that our cells, because of these thought forms we're creating in our head because of fear, are sort of giving off this this thought form um, that is that is going into the fabric of consciousness and becoming a real thing that we are bringing into being by our own thoughts. Right. I was like, damn, that is like another level that I hadn't thought of before, but it's a very good point. That does make sense. Things tend to start in our in our thought forms and patternings. Um, which is kind of why the is kind of pumping people with that sort of fear-based uh, propaganda. Um, I always like to say we're, we're, we exist in a trauma-based mind control system, dominator yeah. system, and uh, there's ways that we get wounded. Um, and so for me, like, I love all those things, meditation, exercising, nutrition, reminding ourselves that we're all one. For me, breath work really helps with that, like just – Lying on the ground, the teacher Robin Clements, C L E M E N T S, up here. In Dude, Canada. this is how much I've written down from you so far. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, this is great to learn from each other. I know, dude. This is what it's all about. This is great.
And that's the benefit of this whole pandemic is it's like connecting like-minded souls all around the world. And I was on um, a live chat on your Telegram feed with Christine who, who leads these chats beautifully. And somebody shared a story about when they used to be a camp counselor and they would take kids into the cave for fun and they all had headlamps on and they'd say, okay, everybody stand together. You couldn't see much. And they said, okay, disperse. And they had all the kids just disperse throughout this huge cave. The whole cave lit up. Yeah. They took, this fellow took it as a metaphor for like, there's lights, were, were these lights in all these cities and areas around the world. And the reason why we feel kind of isolated in our respective cities is because we're meant to be that way so that we can light up the whole world by being disparate at this time. And then we will reunite uh, physically at some point, you know, like I'm planning on leaving, leading like men's retreats and stuff when things. So happen. rad, dude. Yeah. So rad. And like expanding on that point is that like, that is precisely why I keep coming back to these platforms where I'm being like deleted every turn, right? <laughs> because if like, of, of course I love the Telegram community that I have, like it's great. And it's, it's people who for the most part get it. So it's nice. So I don't have to like focus on uh, dismantling the narrative or thing, saying things that like, you know, but, but it, I keep coming back to these platforms because it's important to shine that light yes. for the people who would not have seen it otherwise. Like we have to keep coming back to these and like, all of us sort of want to come into these communities all together and just like, let's all move to this one spot and just stay there. And then the rest of the world can go crazy. And it's like, yeah, in an idealistic scenario, that sounds absolutely great. And there's some nuance to that. Like, cause of course you want to have community around you of like-minded people that you can meet with in person. So unbelievably important, but it's even more important that all of us are spread out just like you said, so that we can have our communities grow and flourish from the ground up where we are. Totally. Totally. And I feel like we are planting seeds with people, you know, as, as long as we're not being belligerent, coming from that place of love, as you have reified, we are planting seeds and who knows what positive impact we're having just by planting the seeds in a loving way. So yeah, thank you for your seed planting and thank you for continuing to come back to Instagram. I've been deleted uh, four times from Instagram. Uh, over you have as well? Yeah. And it's, okay. for me, it's like a double whammy because I teach Tantra which is iffy for Instagram. And yeah. then it's the medical freedom stuff. So I get dinged. No, so you, I, get, you get both. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Also bringing in love, light and acceptance and compassion is also another ding though. So keep that, in, keep that into consideration. Totally. They don't seem to like that very much. Yep. Um, how does your family feel about you um, talking about medical freedom? Are you on the same page? I feel like your mother is. And yeah, my, my mom, my wife, and my sister, and my, my brother, and my dad, um, even though my parents are divorced, like all in my immediate family, everyone is very much so of the same mindset. And I think it's because we've had similar experiences. Like even my dad, although he perpetuated the same thing that he experienced when he was younger, he nonetheless experienced that same thing when he was younger, right? So he's experienced it too. He's seen what it's like. He knows. And I think anyone who has dealt with abuse, manipulation, gaslighting, uh, and understands the power of natural health and have seen the harmful effects of allopathic medicine and blindly trusting experts can see through this pretty well. My, it's funny, my extended family, um, a lot of them previously thought that I was crazy at the beginning of this. And uh, to be clear, some of them are very like right leaning. So the more time has gone on and they still see it from a political perspective that it's all to get Trump out of office, which I don't agree with whatsoever, but they still like see that now everything that I was saying 19 months ago when this first started has come true and some, and I wish it hadn't, yes. but uh, it, they, they, they now clearly see that, that we are on the right track. That's awesome. That's yeah. really, yeah. With me, my, my, uh, entire family is sort of more into the uh, allopathic um, indoctrination and God bless them. My father's a psychiatrist. So, um, and a very traditional one at that. Uh, his strength is that he's an amazing listener and he's actually gravitated away just like Dr. Hogan prescribing pharmaceuticals. Amazing. To listening and being a loving presence. And that's the most important thing that people need in those scenarios, right? Like I think back to my mom's experience, she had experienced a tremendous amounts of trauma, right? What she needed was someone to help facilitate or provide resources for healing her trauma. And instead it was a 15 minute uh, like Q and A session and then a, a survey and then prescribed multiple benzodiazepines and SSRIs. And that's the issue. So like, 
even that, that's, that's a step in the right direction, though, which is a good thing. That's, that's what we're wanting. Totally. We had a family reunion a few weeks ago, and I was very apprehensive to go. And I called my mom the night before, and I said, I don't really, I feel like I'm going to get ganged up on by relatives who are all super pro-projection. And she said, you know, I res she said, I respect your decision not to get it. She said, you know, my mom's pissed because she hurt her hand um, the day after she got her injection and broke her, her wrist. Oh, and so, yeah, and, and I, I can't get too much into what else happened. Let me just put it this way. I've got a lot of people I love very dearly who've been very, very hurt by this injection. I'll yep. just leave it. I, I told her I wouldn't get into specifics. Real, real, real quick, actually, I'll, I'll let you finish. And I'll tell you a story of someone that I just interviewed, which is the most powerful interview we've done for L Freedom or HFFH. I can't even say that organizational name. No worries. So long, long story short, she said, you know, you're not alone. My, you know, my, my hand therapist is not getting the injection either. She feels it's become too political. There's not enough research. <clears throat> and so we're at the family reunion. And she has told me, she said, you know, certain of your relatives were, you know, asking if Will's gotten the injection yet. And my mom basically said, back off, you know the answer. And I thought, thanks, mom, for standing up for me. So it was That's just awesome. His relatives would come up to me and she'd keep an eye. She's like, is everything okay? I was like, thanks, mom. I, I appreciate you having my back. So that was, that was sweet. It's nice that even though we have completely different worldviews, we have the common ground of like looking out for each other. Dude, and that's like, that's all we're seeking, even with our organization. Like we have doctors that are part of our organization that have received both doses. And like, they are still on the side of like, it should be an individual choice, which is crazy. That's even a controversial statement, let alone that we're framed as uh, domestic terrorists now in some ways. It's just unbelievable to me, man. It's, it's crazy. But um, on, on the point of the people who have been harmed by the shot, we just interviewed a nurse who has worked in New York City for the past 19 months in an ER. And what she describes is just unbelievable when it comes to the amount of people um, that have come in with reactions and yeah. that aren't being documented whatsoever. And it's, it's extremely concerning. And like, I think the most important takeaway from that is like, I, I think anyone listening to this is already gonna know this, but I have to say it because it's, it's something to share with other people if you are listening, is that is it not strange that in a so-called health emergency, New York State would be willing to let go 70,000 of its workers that are working in these systems that are supposed to help people because of this health emergency? And further, is it not weird that 70,000 people that were in the state that was the epicenter of this situation we've been in for the last 19 months are now, despite what they've experienced and all the horror stories that we've allegedly heard coming from hospitals in this state are now saying we don't want to receive this product because we do not see a health threat that necessitates receiving it and we are willing to give up our jobs 70,000 people willing to give up their jobs because of that perception totally totally that says so much and the same thing happening up here in Canada with nurses speaking out and banding or the ethics professor that was fired in Canada that, like yes dude. And I just got fired from all of my jobs a couple of weeks ago. And um, I knew that was a, potentially a conflict shock in We call it a conflict shock in German New Medicine. So it's an unexpected shock that catches guard. It's isolating. It's usually dramatic. That was dramatic to get phone calls or actually emails from all of my yoga teaching jobs saying, you're not injected. You're out of here. Yeah, dude, that's, that's traumatic for anyone. And like, that's what's unfortunate about this is that perpetuates at least the possibility of illness and like the whole point is though that none of these measures whatsoever make sense i always go back to these three data points which are very clear directly from the cdc right 95 percent of covid or 95 percent of cvd deaths had an average of four comorbidities most being lifestyle and nutrition related heart disease hypertension diabetes obesity 78 percent of hospitalizations were in overweight or obese people the largest risk factors for death again according to the cdc were obesity and here's the kicker, anxiety and fear-related disorders. Given those data points directly from the CDC, why have we heard no mention of lifestyle, nutrition, or mindfulness over the course of 19 months? And instead, we've had $10 billion, with a B, invested towards improving access to shots, 
and combating hesitancy towards shots. None of this has made sense. We would never be kept in perpetual fear knowing from their own data that the largest risk factor aside from obesity was anxiety slash fear related disorders. That's very telling. Reminds me a lot of how Fauci behaved with the gay men in the 1890s, saying, poppers don't cause anything, keep them. 100%, man, exactly, exactly. It's the same thing. The same thing, it's almost like- person. Yeah, it's like the HIV AIDS thing was a dress rehearsal for what's going on now in many. Um, Just two more questions, Zach Bush, what do you think of Zach Bush's understanding? His is a bit different. Uh, He says Mm -hmm. that exosomes are one thing, viruses are something you want to get. It's, a, it's an update from Wuhan or HIV yeah. is an update that you want to have because it actually uh, fosters adaptive behavior to make you more robust is sort of his understanding. Um, sometimes I'll use his work as a bridge. If somebody's super yeah. in germ theory, I'll send, it, I'll send it to, there's a talk that Zach Bush did. It's three hours, but it's really good. What happened last year? Yes, I saw that whole thing. It was so good. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. But- yeah. Yeah, so my my perceptions on him is that like obviously he plays an important uh, piece, sorry, piece in dismantling the accepted narrative, and really does it in an eloquent, kind way that is approachable and digestible for someone who is just beginning to question. But when it comes to some of the statements that he makes, and I like I, I ask this simple question: is where is the evidence for the claims? Where is the evidence for the claims that? these these submicroscopic pathogenic disease causing particles are so-called upgrades for our system where's the evidence for that claim that's all i ask and like it could it be true yeah absolutely it could be true and like in theory like what he presents sounds unbelievable but where is the evidence for his claim because the, the reason this is so important to get to the foundation here is that we have the entirety of of public health measures across the world focusing on this one single possible solution and then masking and social distancing aside from that. And we don't even know at the foundational level if these things that they are supposed to be defending against are even something that we should be defending against, nor do we know that they even exist from the foundational evidence. And that's why it's so important to get to this very foundational uh, questioning and understanding, right? And I appreciate everything that Zach Bush does without question. Like he's, he's an amazing person, so kind in the way that he speaks about consciousness and death and life is just unbelievable. One of my favorites in that space. But I, I, I do question uh, his understanding or where his head is at with regards to this. And like, it, it's very easy. Anytime I bring this up, someone always replies with, well, you're not a doctor. I'm like, okay, you're perpetuating the same credentialism that we're saying that the other side is using to say we're the experts, trust us when all we're literally asking for in the same sense is we're asking for the evidence for his claims. That is it. It doesn't matter. Credentials aside, like, like logical fallacies, I'm asking for the evidence for the claims. That is it. And I have seen none. And I'm open. That's why I even came into this space. I wasn't thinking this way 19 months ago. And because I'm open, if you present evidence that shows that they are upgrades for our immune system, then I will probably start thinking that way because the evidence shows it. Right. Thank you. That's, that's how I feel. You put into words how I feel. Thank you. Uh, last question. What do you see for the, what is your ideal future for your family and for the world? What evidence have you seen for hope for the future of the, of the truth coming up? Oh man, this is so good. Um, so my hope for the future is that we're like thriving in communities, balancing this technology that we have that just is. It is neither good nor bad. It's all about the context in which it's used, like how you and I are using it right now. We're using it for good to help spread a message to other people. Um, and the technology is just that. And obviously there's nuance to that because millimeter waves can be extremely harmful. But the point is that we are using technology not to manipulate or overcome nature, but using technology in harmony with nature and that we are all living with the understanding that we are all one, not from a conformist perspective, but from perspective of, ah, I have these perceptions, you have those perceptions, I respect yours, we are able to coexist in harmony and that we are getting back to the earth, man, like spending so much time outside. The, the whole medical system has been revamped to focus on mindfulness, nutrition and lifestyle and that people are healing their trauma, people are open and sharing with each other, people are unafraid to be authentic 
and share their authentic perceptions with the world. And then the evidence for whether this is uh, coming into existence or not. So people ask, and, and this is just my perception, people ask like, okay, what is the, like, this is gonna happen in the future. They're trying to do this, they're trying to do that. Absolutely. We know all these like possible future scenarios that are nefarious. Without question, they exist as possible future scenarios. One of my favorite texts that I've ever read is called The Law of One. And what, what the, 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 I guess the interviewee, if you will, in The Law of One, Ra, um, what he says about uh, predictions for the future, like I think specifically speaking to Nostradamus and like whether those things will come true or not, what he says is these predictions are akin to a human being going shopping in a supermarket. The human being is hungry, without a doubt, but it depends on the appetite of the human being at the time for what scenario it will choose. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, it, or it applies to the individual level as well as the collective level. So if the collective chooses a future scenario and it is our choice, and that's what we're learning, especially with like, uh, as we're coming to understand lawful remedy and, uh, and status correction, is that so much of this is done by our consent, if not all of it right, on some level, either like a spiritual level or like in-person and 3D reality level, it is done by our consent and our choosing. So if, if the collective chooses a path that is disharmonious and that is not of benefit to other people, then the collective chose that. But that's not to say that you as an individual or you in your local community cannot create a path for you that is harmonious, that is good for, for people and that that is a system where those people who are choosing the harmful path can fall back on when they realize that system is causing harm. So the point is, even if society goes to shit, you can still create the situation for yourself by aligning your thoughts and feelings. And most importantly, taking deliberate action towards that future that you want. We can create something beautiful despite the world going to shit. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's a, <clears throat> that's a beautiful vision. And I was sharing before how I got terminated from all my jobs, but for the first time in my life, I'm completely my own boss, and I'm helping men all over the world break free of drug and porn addiction uh, using second kung fu, which is, I don't know if you've heard of Montauk Chia, semen retention stuff. Um, yes, yes, I have heard of semen awesome. retention. Yes, yeah, so sort of combining what I learned from Guru Jagat uh, with the semen retention sexual kung fu, uh, and then as you had broached uh, superfood nutrition and detoxification stuff from David Avocado Wolf, who I know you're friends with. I knew you were gonna say that when you said superfood for some reason. <laughs> Dude, real quick, funny story about David. Um, yeah before i go so and, and this just shows like the more that you embody your authentic perceptions and like put that out into the world the more it comes back to you so i was on a road trip from austin with with my like wife and my two kids and we were on the road for like three weeks going from different places and we were just like ready to get home going from austin back to kansas city and we had been driving so much that we decided like let's just stop in oklahoma city because it's halfway um it's uh <laughs> it, it's, it would be the best place for us to stop. And we had lived in Oklahoma before, so we're familiar with the city. Um, and we reluctantly chose to go to this one restaurant because a few of our other favorite ones were closed and like the other ones were too, some other ones were too packed. And I happened, just happened to be wearing a shirt with the Way Forward logo on the back, right? I'm getting my son out of the car in Oklahoma City in like this very specific location. And I hear this voice behind me go, wait, where'd you get that shirt? And I like, I turn around and David Avocado Wolf standing right behind me in Oklahoma City. And I was, and he was like, Alec? And I was like, David, like, Dude, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, I was just tagging along with one of my friends who's investing in a cannabis shop here. Um, we're about to go get dinner. What are you doing? I was like, dude, we're stopping to go get dinner right now. And he's like, let's go get dinner together. So, like, we happen to be in the same location at the same time in Oklahoma City, of all places. He was parked two cars away from me, and we ended up going to dinner and then we ended up going to breakfast again the next day. And like, I just happened to be wearing uh, the Way Forward t-shirt. It's just like, the first two minutes I was shocked, obviously. But then after that, I was like, of course, this makes sense. Like, because the more you start doing, like living this way and expressing yourself authentically, the more things come into your space that are vibrating on the same frequency, if you will. Yes, synchronicities increase. Absolutely. As you are experiencing, that's beautiful, brother. Thank you so much for, for your time, for what you do in the world, uh, for your bravery, and for being an example of an Aquarian man. Um, because I think, was it Gloria Steinem who said, you can't be what you can see. So thanks for being it so that other men can see it, other humans can see it and embody their truth as well.
Dude, thank you so much for having me, Will. Like, I think, I, again, I learned more from you this episode than you learned from me. So like, <laughs> this is good, man. This is all like a co-creation process. This is so great, man. It's perfect. awesome. Thank you for having me, brother. I, I got to say the same to you. You're great. Love you, man. Love you, too. Keep in touch and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks. You, too, brother. Cheers. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Sanam. That was so fun. Thanks, guys. If you want to learn more about my semen retention stuff and superfood nutrition stuff, head over to willblunderfield.ca. And I'm going to try to save this for sure. Um, willblunderfield, B-L-U-N-D-E-R-F-I-E-L-D.ca. Thanks, guys. Sadnam. Thanks again to Mr. Alex Zach for being on the show. It was really a true honor to get to speak with you. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in and being open to a new perspective, perhaps. Um, I know that we have been indoctrinated over the last several generations, uh, ever since Rockefeller Medicine uh, took over, so the petroleum-based medicine took over, and you know anybody practicing anything uh, holistic was demonized as a witch, basically. Uh, so I know that it's a big leap for a lot of us. I know it was for me at first, uh, about nine years ago, when I discovered uh, Germanic New Medicine, um, but if you want to learn more, go over to t.me slash the way FWRD. That's Alec and Friends. The Way Forward with Alec and Friends. T.me slash the way FWRD. Uh, it says free thinking, mind, body, spirit, wellness, love and acceptance, service to others, true sovereignty, all is one. And if you want to check out all of Alec's different offerings, head over to Linktree. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash The Way Forward, all spelt out, The Way, F-O-R-W-A-R-D. So uh, Telegram is t.me slash The Way, F-W-R-D. And Alex Linktree is link, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash The Way Forward, all spelt out. Have a beautiful day and stay sovereign, stay free, stay human. And I'll leave you with a cover of a song that I love to sing called Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. This is my version. I hope you enjoy. Seen your flag on the marble arch, oh, our love.